0: You're listening to the Diversity Beyond the Checkbox podcast. I'm your host, Jackie Ferguson, certified diversity executive, writer, human rights advocate, and co-founder of the Diversity Movement. On this podcast, I'm talking to trailblazers, game changers, and glass ceiling breakers who share their inspiring stories, lessons learned, and insights on business, inclusion, and personal development. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us. My guest today is Jen T. Grace. Jen is an award-winning author, nationally recognized speaker, and savvy publishing strategist. She's the founder of Publish Your Purpose, a hybrid publishing company that gives first-time authors the secrets to getting their books written, finding their audience, and marking their place in the publishing world. Jen has published the books of nearly 100 business owners, entrepreneurs, speakers, and memoirists so more diverse stories can exist in the world and her authors can make a positive impact and achieve the recognition and success they deserve. She's the author of six books, including her memoir, House on Fire. Jen has been featured in Forbes, The Huffington Post, The Wall Street Journal, and CNBC.
1: Jen, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm I'm excited for where this conversation may take us today.
0: Me too, me too. Well, Jen, I always like to start by asking our guests to share a little about themselves, whatever you'd like, your background, your family, your childhood, your identity, wherever you'd like to start.
1: Oh, that's such a, it's a good question because I feel like, you know, our identity can mean so many different things. And yes. I'm in a, a sentimental mood this week because it's the, the four-year anniversary of my mom's passing. And so... Just a little, very random fun fact about me that I've not actually shared on any podcast before is that um, I am obsessed with Halloween and obsessed with skeletons from Halloween. Not scary skeletons. I don't like anything Uh scary. I'm a complete wimp. But I just, I'm (laughs) completely obsessed with like, the the spoofy as they call it skeleton. Yeah. So I have a whole, uh, I got a, a, a wide collection of them that I dress up for holidays, and I have an Instagram for them, and it's a whole thing. Oh, and I should just say that the my mom was obsessed with Halloween and skeletons, not because of her death. It just happens to be because like right. I realized that that might have come across very strange. No, she was also obsessed with uh, skeletons and Halloween. So it's my my way to uh, keep her memory alive.
0: Oh, that's so wonderful. Well Jen, do you want to talk a little bit about your mom and and her influence in your life?
1: Oh geez. <laughs> I try like the skeletons in Halloween are like the the happy times, right? So mm-hmm. I published my memoir in the fall of 2020 and it's uh, it's called House on Fire: Finding Hope, Resilience, and Purpose in the Ashes. And I've had a lot happen. And so mm-hmm. you know my my queer identity in particular, has been like a blip on the radar in terms of like adversities or challenges kind of in my life and mm-hmm. much of that is due to my my upbringing that wasn't wasn't the best wasn't uh, wasn't an ideal scenario which I write about you know completely in my book so you know I think it's in my mom's passing that I now have more of an appreciation for mm-hmm. the fact that she was just doing the best that she could with the resources yes. and the circumstances that she had but you know as a young person, you don't really know that at the time. You just feel like you're neglected or you don't have a voice Absolutely. or or any number of things.
0: Absolutely. Well, Jen, thanks for for sharing that. Yeah. What inspired you to write your first book, and then I want to talk about your latest book?
1: So I always wanted to be a writer. So Mm -hmm. if I go back to when I was really little, I was obsessed with Dear Abby and, you know, giving advice and being like the advice columnist. And so Mm -hmm. I always had like an aspiring Dear Abby in me. And so when I started my consulting company like 15, 16 years ago at this point, which I no longer have, but when I started that consulting company, it was very much around LGBTQ inclusion, specifically Mm -hmm. around communications and marketing in workplace settings in financial service and insurance. So, really, really narrow, like really, yeah. really narrow. And I started a blog in 2012, and I just was writing in a very Dear Abby style. I had friends and people around me were like, hey, how do I insert any number of questions? Sometimes, you know, most of the time well-intended, but oftentimes phrased very, very poorly and very offensively. And it was people that I knew. And I would say, you know, it takes a lot to offend me. So ask me the tough question, like hit me with whatever you have. I'll give you the information that you need and we'll kind of go from there. And so Mm -hmm. I had a friend of mine who's a nurse practitioner and she kept getting a lot of LGBTQ patients, but she didn't know How to communicate with them effectively. So Mm -hmm. the blog kind of actually started off as that, where I would be like, All right, she asked me this crazy question this week. Let me just write about it because if she has it, that question, other people are going to have it too.
0: Absolutely.
1: And so it kind of unraveled from there. And so the blog is still up. It's got over 500 posts on it that I wrote over almost a decade. And that is what the basis of the book was because I had a lot of clients who were like, how come you don't have a book yet? Or where's your book? And I'd be like, I didn't even think Mm -hmm. about it. So even though I was obsessed with writing and loved writing and loved my blog, I didn't really have that tunnel vision of like, I have to be an author. It was more of a, a demand that was coming from client interactions.
0: Got it. And sometimes those make the best books, right? The understanding and finding those lanes. That's amazing. And Jen, tell us a little bit about your latest book.
1: So the latest is my memoir, House mm-hmm. on Fire, as I mentioned already. And what's interesting is that I wrote four books that were around LGBTQ-specific topics. And so those mm-hmm. were nonfiction, very much marketing and communications-based, like how to, how to do business with the community, how to have you know, an equitable environment, things like that. Mm -hmm. And then I did a fifth book that was a mental health journal. And so that was specifically for parents who are struggling with children with significant mental health needs. So I did that one as well. Then I did my sixth book, which is a memoir. And I did it for two reasons. I did it, one, because I had to free myself from my own story. I felt like my story Mm -hmm. was kind of like an albatross around my neck. Because I feel like, especially in my previous consulting work, I always led with my queer identity. So it was like that, again, that was, you know, and we all have struggles coming out, but in the grand scheme of things, it was really minimal compared to the rest of the things that have happened to me. And Mm -hmm. so it was more of sharing light and outing myself of other aspects of my identity, not Mm -hmm. so much my queer identity. So Mm -hmm. it's interesting because people, you know, people who don't know my previous consulting work. You know they'll read the memoir and think that like there's a piece of it that's like a coming out story around my LGBTQ identity. I'm like, oh no no that is that is just that is a minor blip in this in this overall theme of this book. It's obviously who I am and a huge part of me, but it's not kind of like the tragedy and the the trauma of coming out. It's it's so much more than that. So it was much about that to like just really kind of release myself from my own story. So that way, if anyone had questions about it, like you can go read the book. Like if you want all the details, the book is available. Go have fun. So. There was that side of it. And then the other side of it was that I work with authors. I have a publishing company. And so Mm -hmm. it kind of felt like the missing piece because I've coached so many people through writing their memoirs, but Mm -hmm. I myself hadn't experienced what writing a memoir felt like. So I wanted to put myself in the shoes of the people that I work with and do it. And now I have an even more profound appreciation for what it takes to actually tell your story in the the full kind of rawness of a story. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And, you know, Jen, I, I think it's so great that you were able to share that. And I, I like that you phrase it to free yourself from your story, because, you know, so often we make assumptions about people's story, their journey, right, based on what their role is and what they've been able to achieve. And so often we have no idea of the, the struggles and the journeys that people have to go through to get to where they are. And it's so important to remember that you just never know what a person may have gone through or is currently going through, and just to to be kind and be open and, and really listen. So, mm-hmm. I think that's great. Jen, tell us about publish your purpose. What types of books do you publish? You talked about memoirs,
1: mm-hmm. and then
0: how did you go about deciding to start this company?
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, what a fun question! So so as I mentioned, I've I've done six books. And so when I was on, I want to say it was probably my second book. So sometime in like 2013, 2014, Mm -hmm. I had a lot of people, even when the first one came out, I had a lot of people who were asking me how I did it. And I was like, I don't know, I just cobbled it together and figured it out. And my first book, (laughs) was awful. I, I did everything wrong in the first book, like truly everything wrong in the first book. And so when I did the second book, it was significantly better because I had learned from all the times that I screwed up in the first one. Right. Then when I did the third one, the third one was like, okay, now we actually know what we're doing because we've already screwed up all the ways that we can screw up. And I went back and fixed the others So that way I didn't let that tragedy kind of just exist in the world. <laughs> and it was a lot of work. Like self-publishing a book is a lot of work. And I yeah. had no idea what I was doing. I knew the content I wanted to write, but I had no idea how to hire an editor, or how to design a cover. I had I was just lost. Mm-hmm. And even though you know, my background is marketing and communications. You know, I, I feel like I had a leg up because I understood messaging and positioning and things like that. But in terms of the mechanics of it, I had no idea what I was doing.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: by the time I was somewhere between the second and the third book, a lot of people that I knew and just my local network were asking me, like, how did you know how to do it? How did you know how to hire this person? How did you come up with your title? And I would just get this bombardment of questions. And it was that, that I was like, all right, I'm feeling a little bit burned out from my consulting work because I think as, as anybody that works in like an advocacy type of space, cause I still would put it in that kind of advocacy type of bucket because I was doing a lot of volunteer work. I was lobbying in DC for, for Enda. Um, so there was like a lot of stuff that I was doing and I was just getting tired of it. Mm-hmm. And so there was kind of like that happening. And then like all these people asking me about my book. And so I was like, you know what, on a whim, let me just grab a, a handful of people that I know. And there were seven people who said yes. And I was like, just trust me. I will show you how to do this. Just, I just need your trust. If you don't get what you want, I'll we'll give you your money back. It's fine. And I had seven guinea pigs who were wonderful. Who were like, "Yeah, let's do this." And that was in 2015. That was in 2015. And okay. I did it once, and I did it again, and I did it again. And then I had a number of people being like, "Listen, I know that you're spending time to teach me how to do this, mm-hmm. but what if I just paid you and you just did it for me instead?" And so it was just kind of like that, oh, shit, like that aha moment of like, <laughs> I didn't even think of this because I was thinking like scalability. I was thinking, oh, this is perfect. I'll have a group program. It's something that I'm passionate about. Yeah. I can kind of get people's stories out. I can scale it and still do my consulting work. And then like overnight, like I, it took me like three days to think about it. It was like over a weekend. I was like, I'm going to start a publishing company. And I literally just started it with... Zero clue what I was doing, like none whatsoever. I knew how to do my own book. No wow. idea how a publishing company was run, none, none whatsoever. And then I was like, I'm just going to do it. And so I stopped my consulting work and I switched to publishing in 2016.
0: Wow. Mm-hmm. Now, Jen, let me ask this. You know, so many of us have ideas of businesses we'd like to start or careers that we want to change into. What gave you the courage to do? One, you know, when you wrote your first book without any direction, really, and just saying, "I'm going to write this book," and then moving from your consulting to, "I'm going to start a publishing company over a weekend," what gave you that that courage to to do those things?
1: I think I'm just a natural born risk taker. Like I think yeah. I'm just I'm okay with taking risks, but they're calculated risks. They're not you know just on a whim and just kind of arbitrary and, and diving into something without like thinking about it. But with this in particular, the other thing that was kind of happening is that I was doing a lot of keynotes and I was able Mm -hmm. to increase my fees because I was, you know, I was a published author and I had these books now. And so I was doing a keynote and I remember standing on the stage. And again, I was in, like, I was really in a place of fatigue and burnout. And I remember standing there and thinking, how great would it be if I were actually the one behind the scenes helping someone like myself Mm -hmm. get on a stage and not actually have to be on the stage? So when I thought about it from just like an energy level, I was like, oh my God, that sounds amazing. But Mm -hmm. then when I thought about it from an impact level, it was like, okay, I could be standing in front of these 5,000 people and, you know, inspiring them in some great way, sure, and get paid and be done with it. Or... I could be behind 50 people or 100 people or 500 people who are standing in front of 5,000 people. And my impact in the world can be exponentially larger. So it was kind of like that was happening in in kind of alignment with this kind of idea. And so the one thing that I wish I had paid a little attention to was how different business models are from a consulting business model versus a publishing model. Sure. They're not even remotely in the same (laughs) ballpark they're so different. And so like, that was like a big shock because I'm like, like I have a team, I have a lot of contractors. And so our costs are significantly higher. Our profit margins are lower. I had no clue because like my mm-hmm. naivete-, naivete was just like, I'm going to do this and not really care about how. And so obviously that right. you know, was in 2015. So things are, things are great now. But like at first I was like, wow, what, what have I done? But you know, <laughs> I think when you have the purpose that's leading all of the other things can kind of just get pushed out of the way because when you have that laser purpose and focus, all the other things are just kind of like little little obstacles along the way. Absolutely.
0: And, you know, I love that you said calculated risks because it's one thing to have an idea, but who are you talking to? What are you researching before you start making those steps? So that's very important. Mm-hmm. And then, Jen, talk to us about the kinds of authors that you work with that publish your purpose.
1: I, I really love what I do. I like truly in every sense of that word, love what I do, because I am so interested in so many different topics. And just generally speaking, like I'm a consumer of information. I just love learning new things. And so to be someone who is the engine behind someone's book, where I get to absorb and learn things from them just through the process organically, you know, it's like the perfect combination where most of the time I genuinely don't feel like I'm working. Like occasionally I do when I'm like, you know, fighting with numbers and in, in QuickBooks or something like that. But generally, <laughs> most of the time, I just feel like in such a flow because I work with such incredible people. Hmm. So our authors, they're, they're really diverse in terms of their life experiences, their backgrounds, what they're writing about, what they're doing with their books. But the commonality is that for the most part, our authors are also business owners or they're professionals in some uh, setting or position where they have some type of Authority over others, and I don't say authority in like a patriarchal way, but just influence. We'll say influence; that's a better word. And so we have a lot of books that are diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging focused. A lot of books, and Mm. so it could be that is a you know a book about racism, which of which we have a number of them. It could be LGBTQ specific, which we also have a number of. We also have a, a number of books that have mental health themes to them. We have like just health and wellness. So we do mostly. You know, business, leadership, self-help is kind of the, I would say is about 80% of our work. And then the memoirs are the other 20%. But the memoirs are also written by people with diverse backgrounds and diverse experiences and talking about all of the same type of topics. So the best and ideal author that we work with is someone who's going to use their book as part of their platform. Obviously, we could... We could in theory work with anyone. We can publish any kind of book, but I want right. to work with people who are motivated and they want to get their message out there because that's where our our superpowers lie is in that strategy of helping people like really get their message out there. And books are such a wonderful way to do that. And so, you know, as long as someone's just kind of like motivated, it's like, all right, you are our people. And of course, they have to be an inclusive mindset. They have to be, you know, operating with integrity. And we have a lot of metrics that we want to make sure that we're only, you know, we want to be propping up voices that are helping, not Mm-hmm. not that might be hurting you know cuz certainly there's plenty of those out there too. I just don't want to be near them. Sure.
0: Absolutely. And Jen, you know, someone once said everyone has a story inside them that needs to be told. Okay. Can you tell us how you get started with those conversations with mm-hmm. authors? What are some of the initial questions that you might ask
1: them? It's a great question. I actually have a workshop that's a free workshop that literally covers like kind of like how to get started, uh, because I get this question often, but the way you framed it was a little bit different. You know, I think it's, we all have a story. We we all have a story. Truly, literally, mm-hmm. literally everyone on this earth has a story that is worthy of being told. I think where a lot of people get stuck is that they feel like their story doesn't matter, or mm-hmm. someone else has already told their story, or someone has told a story that is more intense or more, you know, more traumatic or like, there's all these things that we're like comparing ourselves to when the reality is just, just by being who we are, just those inherent differences between us is enough to be able to tell a story that maybe has been told dozens upon dozens. It doesn't matter. Like you're still a different person. You're unique. So, you know, kind of go for it. But I think for me, one of the first questions I ask is always around purpose. You know, my company is called Publisher Purpose. Right. Purpose is the thing that leads. So like, What is the purpose of this book and what is the impact that you want on your reader or community as a result of putting this book out? Because it's kind of two two sides of the same coin. It's what are you going to get from doing this, but what is the reader going to get from you doing this? And having that really, really clear can be a difference between finishing it and not finishing it. Because Mm -hmm. I think when the times get tough, which they do, there's no one comes out of the book publishing process unscathed. Like ask anybody who's an author, like there's, everyone has like some horror story of like hitting like that low point. And one of the things Mm -hmm. that we do a lot of is just kind of help people through those highs and lows, because there's a lot of lows and we know how to kind of get people back up, get them, you know, take them off the ledge, get them back pointed in the right direction. And so, you know, I think the more clear you are on why you're doing it, the easier it is to kind of move through those natural hurdles and obstacles that kind of come, come across the path because they will, like, if you think that they won't, like you're kind of in your own little world because they're going to hit you and you just want to be prepared for it. So you're, if Mm -hmm. you're like, okay, my purpose, so for my memoir, for example, you know, I wanted to reach families my goal was I just need to reach one family, one person that is struggling with what we are struggling with to make, to allow them to feel less alone for just a minute of their day, to be able mm-hmm. to read my story and say, shit, someone else has this story and someone else has been able to get on the other side of this. And that's all, that was my yeah. own goal. It was literally just to reach one, one person, one family. And I published it in September and in November, I got a phone call from someone and it ended up being an hour and a half on a weekend. And she cried for the first 45 minutes because she was so upset because she had never seen her story told before. And mm. my book was the first time she saw it. So at that point, I was like, I'm done. Like, I just, like, the book is out. It did exactly what I wanted to do. If it does anything mm. more, great. If it if no one ever bought it again, I'm fine with that. You know, like, mm. that's not necessarily a great Business approach. If we're talking about a nonfiction book, but for my memoir in particular, that was literally my only goal. And then I made the conscious decision to say, "I'm going to let the book tell me what it wants me to do. I'm not going to tell it what I want it to do." Because in a nonfiction book, you have to tell the book what you want. Like you have to be Mm. clear on what you want with the book. But in this case, the memoir, very against my own guidance, where I'm like, "I'm just going to let the book tell me where where it wants me to go." And because of that, I've done a bunch of book clubs because it's a really good kind of like book club read. And like, that wouldn't have been sure. a plan that I would have thought about. I was just like, let me see what happens. And it's just kind of doing its own thing now.
0: I love it. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Now you have a background, Jen, in DEI consulting. Can you talk to us a little about that experience and share a few important tips for creating cultures of inclusion from your work there? Oh, fun.
1: It's <laughs> such, a, such a fun, a fun question. One of the reasons I started my consulting company Mm -hmm. was because I had a really horrible workplace experience. And that Mm -hmm. was the foundation of uh, all four of my LGBTQ books was this is how not to treat an LGBTQ worker, basically, Mm -hmm. or an employee. Yeah. It was, and this was back in like 04. So this was like almost 20 years ago at this point. Mm -hmm. And it was just a really toxic work environment broadly. It wasn't really, like now again, like with the beauty of hindsight and being able to kind of like reflect back, it was just a toxic work environment all around. I just happened to be on the the receiving end of all the homophobic remarks. And, And they weren't even like, Shy about it. Like my boss, who was a director, said behind my back, but with an earshot on like my second day working there that I had the captain of the softball team lesbian look about me. Like that was literally word for word what came out of her mouth. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be a fun environment. And so I tried for five and a half years. I managed to stay in that company. And literally, it was from day one I had this issue. And I tried for five and a half years to figure out how I could create, like, change the culture from the inside. And it was just a completely futile effort. So mm-hmm. I went to quit, and the CEO was like, "We can't lose you," because I, I was running the marketing department. And then he was like, "We can't yes. lose you. What? What can I do to keep you? Like, what's gonna, what's gonna, you know, make you happy?" Basically. And I was like, "I want to market to the LGBTQ Q community." And at first, it was like a li- he's like, "All right, create a create a presentation and come back to me." And so I, you know, took a week, came back to him, and I had a very clear plan for how exactly we would reach the community. And he gave me mm-hmm. essentially. Art Blanche to do whatever I wanted. Like, he gave me free reign. I went to tons of conferences. That's when I got involved with the National Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce, with Mm -hmm. the, the IGLTA, like, all kinds of different organizations, and... What would happen is that I'm I'm out at like some awesome conference. I remember one specifically with the IGLTA. It was in Vegas that year. And I remember being at like the Ritz-Carlton at like some bougie event that they were hosting. Being like, this is so good to be around people like me. And I was like in my late mid to late 20s. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, great to just be around people like me. And then I came back to the office. And the second I stepped in the office, everybody was like whispering and talking behind my back because I was just out at the gay conference. And so that was what made me realize, like, I am doing a disservice to my own community by going out and saying to people like, hey, you should do business with us when I'm getting treated Mm -hmm. as poorly as I was being treated. So it was that lack of being able to reconcile what I was saying outwardly and what was happening inwardly that I was like, I can't do this anymore.
0: Yeah. Wow. So Jen, you describe yourself as an out queer person your entire career. Mm -hmm. And that's certainly not the experience of many LGBTQ plus um, professionals. So, you know, I'm talking again about your confidence because you've got a lot of it. And I I think that's amazing. How did you do that from the start? What gave you the confidence to be out from the start in your professional career?
1: Such a great question. You know, before I took that job and I took that job when I was 23, I was working in retail and I was doing ma- I was like retail a retail manager and I had three jobs all through college. So I was like that that crazy person that people knew that are like, when do you sleep? Because I like I had to pay my right. way. Somehow. <laughs> and so I had three jobs at all times. They were all retail related. And in retail, everyone's just out like there's no like at least That's in right. Massachusetts where I was at the time. It was just like a non-issue. Like I had, like, I just remember, and it was like the first time like moving to the Boston area where I was like, wow, there's like a lot of gay people in the world. Like it was just like this, like it kind of smacked me because I I grew up in Rhode Island, which mm-hmm. is a very small state, mm-hmm. not, it's still technically liberal, but not really. Like if you really know the culture of the state, it's not really. And mm-hmm. so I, I grew up very kind of like in that, very sheltered type of like lack of exposure, basically. Got and it. so I go to Boston, I'm like, oh my God, everybody's gay. This is amazing. And so I was like, well, I can just be out and be me. And the reason I was in Boston to begin with was because of my girlfriend at the time. And so I was like, all right, so I'm just like, this is what, this is what working is like. This is what adults working looks like. You are just who you are and you just are out. And so mm-hmm. I took I falsely took that mindset with me to that next job of the work, like the corporate mm. environment. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, I can actually sit. I can sit at a desk. I don't have to be standing up all day and talking to like <laughs> miserable customers. It was like this, yeah. this shocking moment. And so it, and then I like immediately went into the closet in that work environment. Cause it was so hostile and it wasn't safe. So when I left that and started consulting, it was more so like, I just have to be out in every aspect of who I am. So I had branded myself as the professional lesbian. So if you go, if you search the professional lesbian, I'm everywhere. Like, I can't get rid of it, even if I wanted to. Like, it is, that is just in the internet for the for the, for the rest of time. Amazing. And I went by it. I had stickers that said, like, hello, my name is, and it had professional lesbian under it where you could write your name in. Or it <laughs> said honorary. So I had to make sure my allies were included. So I had honorary professional lesbian. Like I went all in on this. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was great, like I can remember going to networking events where people would be like, oh, we forgot name tags or whatever. I'm like, oh, I got a whole bag full. And there'd be like random people who have no idea what they're wearing saying honorary professional lesbian on their, on their shirt. <laughs> and had no clue. And I'm like, this is gold. <laughs> um, and it happened all the time. And they weren't in like inclusive environments. Like these were just very like random hyper-local networking type of events where it's like a mixed bag of people and you have no idea mm-hmm. like what their views or beliefs are. So that was kind of like where all of it kind of stemmed from. And now, like even in our, our website on Publisher Purpose, we are a certified B Corp. We are Mm -hmm. an LGBTQ owned business and we're a woman owned business. And that is broadcast literally everywhere because if you don't like me for one aspect of my identity, the last thing I want to do is be working with you. And so it's kind of great to just lead with it because then I don't have to worry about having like some, some contentious or hostile type of thing come up because like you're either going to like me or you're not. And, and that, like, I think that's like a marketing tip for people is that so often from a marketing standpoint, we think about how do we attract the right people? We're like, Oh my God, I got to attract the right buyer. I got to attract the right client. Mm-hmm. But you also need to repel the wrong people. And so when you lead with your identity, and at least in this case, and I recent, not recent, like it's been like five years, moved past lesbian. I feel like queer is far more encompassing of who I am. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I just lead with it because it's the easiest way to, to repel the wrong people because that it just saves so much time if you really think about it.
0: Absolutely. Now, Jen, as we start to wrap up and this conversation has been so great, you talked about dear Abby in the, in the beginning. So one of the questions that I love to ask our guests is what's the best advice someone has ever
1: given you? I love that question. And it's such a basic one, and I have followed this. Now I'm the boss and have been for a while, so it's less mm-hmm. less impactful. But I would even say this to someone who works for me. Don't ask for permission. Ask for forgiveness. I have operated under that my entire <laughs> professional life. Because wow. I had I was on a board when I was 25, and I remember talking to the, I think she was the secretary of the board. And I mm-hmm. was saying, like, hey, I have this really awesome idea. I want to do this, this, and this. And she's like, just go do it. Don't ask for permission. Ask for forgiveness if somebody doesn't like what you did. And it, I swear it was the single best piece of advice because it gives you that carte blanche to just go do it. Like there's no mm. restrictions, it's not holding you back. Like just move it out of the way. And yes, and obviously you want to be doing operating inte- with integrity. You don't want to be doing something that's with malice. Right. But you know, if you're trying to be helpful and do something, Don't ask because it's just going to get bogged down in bureaucracy. Like, just go do it. And if someone's upset about it, just apologize and be sincere about it and move on. So that was truly, like, the best thing I was ever told.
0: I love it. I love it. And then, Jen, what is the message that you'd like to leave our listeners with today? Oh,
1: I would say, I think maybe twofold. One, on the allyship side. So, like, if you are, you know, you're an ally to whatever community you're an ally to, and you are have some kind of resistance or something's holding you back from going to that networking event or showing up for whether it's a recreational event or professional, whatever it is, just do it, just show up and do it. Like get out of your own comfort zone, get out of your own way. The people that are in that community want to see you there as an ally, just go in Mm -hmm. with good intentions. So I would say that because I think it, it is uncomfortable sometimes to kind of show up to an environment where you're like, I kind of feel like the outsider, which is happening to me in a, a lot of times these days with with everything with Ukraine. Like, I go to events, no one speaks English. I have no mm-hmm. idea what's going on half the time. I'm just paying attention to body language and like tone of voice. And it it was uncomfortable at first, but now I'm like they like they look at me as an ally. They're fine with me here. So if everyone's mm-hmm. fine with me, why why not just show up and continue to bring back that message to the larger larger group that I can? So I feel like from that side, I would I would definitely say that. And then if you're thinking about writing your story or telling your story whether it's in written word or spoken word just start doing it. You know like just, you know, even if it's on a post-it note, just start mm. writing it down. Don't overcomplicate it, don't make it super scary, like just physically just sit and start writing your story and don't let anybody tell you that your story is not worth being told.
0: That's fantastic. Jen, thank you so much for taking time today to be on our show. I've learned so much. Thank you for sharing that great advice. Let our listeners know uh, how to get in touch with you at Publish Your Purpose.
1: Oh, yes. So it, the easiest is go to PublishYourPurpose.com. That is the the fastest, easiest way. All of our the ways that we work with people, all of our authors are featured there. And I have a, uh, a free workshop. It's called the Publish Your Purpose Author Lab. I run it a bunch of times a year. It's an eight-day workshop, 100% free, that just helps get get to the meat of why you're doing it, who you're doing it for, and how to create a plan to actually get it done. So that's uh, the information available on our website, it's on our YouTube channel, social media, all of the places.
0: Jen, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed our conversation.
1: Me too. You ask great questions. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks for joining me for this episode. Please take a moment to subscribe and review this podcast and share this episode with a friend. Become a part of our community on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. This show was edited and produced by EarFluence. I'm Jackie Ferguson. Join us for our next episode of Diversity Beyond the Checkbox. Take care of yourself and each other.